0: I have a short passage from Thich Nhat Hanh that keeps floating through my mind tonight. And so I, I feel a kind of demand to, to share it and then uh, see what comes out of it. But it's a very simple passage in one of his poems where he said, You who are the richest person on earth, who have been going around begging for a living... Stop being the destitute child. Come home. Reclaim your heritage. I'll repeat it once more. You who are the richest person on earth who've been going around begging for a living, stop being the destitute child. Come home. Reclaim your heritage. By our absent-mindedness, by our Tendency to be, as Ajahn Buddhadasa stated when asked to describe the world, he said, lost in thought. Because of absent mindedness, being lost in thought, mistaking ourselves mistaking ourselves for this narrative, this view that floats through our mind. About ourselves, the story of ourselves, which is usually a story of inadequacy, insufficiency, of frustration, of unmet desires, of unfulfilled needs, of obsessing about what's next or about what's happened before. Does anybody have anything to add to the to the narrative that floats through our mind? All of our the ways, the myriad ways that uh, we unconsciously postpone uh, a sense of well-being, associate our well-being with with uh, how things turn out in the imagined future, which never arrives. This is the story in which we dwell, in which we imagine uh, we are. We imagine we are that person who is, um, is not quite okay. That's not quite happy. That's That hasn't arrived yet. And in the midst of that, in those rare moments, unfortunately rare moments, but hopefully if you practice more frequent moments... Right in the midst of that storm of of imagination that often uh, defines our sense of ourselves, there is that in us, there is the very nature of our being. As one teacher put it, a pellucid ocean, an ocean of awareness that is um, our direct and immediate experience of ourselves momentarily free of memory and hope that is completely completely whole and sufficient and enough and has never ever lacked anything so each of us is the richest person on earth but we are our mind is often going around begging for a living. So our practice is meant to wake us up out of that second-hand version that plays through our mind. To confront our life, to get to know our life, to embrace our life, how it shows up on present evidence. And usually when we think of present evidence, we think of our life situation. We think of kind of what's going on in my life. But that's our story. So there is our story of what's going on in our life, and each of us has a unique story. You can see that this room is filled with individuals with very unique individual stories, pasts, joys sorrows every single person here and that our differences are incredible and they should be celebrated they they are the doorway they are the they are the food of our compassion and our our sympathetic joy of our kindness is the differences that we all experience difficulties and our successes all the different polarities that happen in our life this is the But this is not the whole story. That is our story. That is our situation. But what we miss in real time is that which cannot be named, cannot be really put into words. I'm attempting to point to it or talk about it. But it can only be experienced, discovered, after your last story has fallen away for a moment, and before the next one comes, those moments where you don't do anything with your mind, where you're not looking ahead, you're not looking back, you're not trying to make something happen, you're not trying to resist anything, you are simply naturally aware. That's about all you can say. But it is out of this invisible, indescribable capacity that we are, this Buddha nature, this, this mingling of openness and awareness that the, all of the, the wholesome and the noble qualities of a potential qualities of a human being can, f- can flourish and when we are absorbed in our mistaken views about ourselves those qualities or when we just limit ourselves to our situation or our story and many many mistaken views of ourselves the qualities that uh, the riches that Thich Nhat Hanh refers to are become occluded they become blocked they they become deadened. We lose contact with the, with the inexhaustible sense of life in real time, in the present. It's so vivid, it's so immediate, it's so alive, so different from past and future in our story, which is really mental nothing wrong with mental but if we dwell in mental we lose, we kind of deaden. So our practice is a very gentle means of brushing as one teacher put it, brushing the dust of memory so that the clear mirror of our mind, the the, the the radiant nature of our hearts and minds can can be experienced, felt, and expressed, and that and then, with our eyes wide open, then we we can uh, do some good. We can we can care without ill will. We can then feel feel our feelings feel our vulnerability our incredible vulnerability as human beings but hold that vulnerability with the strength of that primordial sense within ourselves called awareness that's never altered even a hair whether we've been miserable or we've been ecstatic Awareness is untouched. So as we strengthen, if you practice and you strengthen using the tool of mindful attention and loving kindness, if you do this again and again and again, you we can live in the in the domain of liberation it's a beautiful beautiful thing that mindfulness has become the what's the french word de rigueur or whatever it's the it's the word of the moment it's the practice its secular mindfulness is sweeping the world everybody's using it and applying it to every every possible in every field, mindfulness is is the it word. But sometimes mindfulness as the it word applied to all these different domains misses its potential as a truly liberating force of the heart and, and obscures sometimes uh, the capacity that we have not just to solve our problems with it, not just to function a little better in our life, but truly experience... As is as has been possible forever, what the Buddha called the sure heart's release, where you no longer misidentify with the with the story that plays through your mind, where you know for yourself with absolute certainty, the words of of James J. Audubon, where he says, if there's a difference between the bird and what the field guide book says, believe the bird. Where you're no longer needing to be defined by memory or plan or by your story. Where you can stand alone in the, in a, in the strength of aware presence. And that you're so satisfied with just being that, that field of awareness that you don't need to be somebody you don't need to be caught up in a role or you don't need to have your sense of well-being de- dependent on how everything works out. You're no longer begging for a living saying, will you make me happy life? Will, you, will I get what I want? Which only makes us more vulnerable and actually in this, and if our vulnerability isn't actually felt. And it just, we end up on a kind of wheel of endless, endless dissatisfaction waiting, when it's possible to, moment by moment, be free. Have a well-being that doesn't depend on the circumstances of our life that is, in one way, unshakable. Because the nature of our mind is unshakable. The innermost nature. Of course, the nature of our thinking mind is ever changing. Our outer and inner circumstances are always changing. Our body is changing. Our mind is changing. Everything's changing. But there is that in us which is unconditioned. Sometimes called nirvana. We think of nirvana some place in the sky, but nirvana is just a mind that doesn't cling anywhere, that doesn't condemn. That doesn't isn't contentious with life. It's not grabbing. It's open, free. So that's why Gendon Rinpoche, a great teacher, says, Don't go into the tangled jungle looking for the great awakened elephant when it's already resting quietly at home in front of your own hearth, in front of your own fireplace. You, who are the richest person on earth. Who've been going around begging for a living? Stop being the destitute child. Come home and reclaim your heritage. Now, how do we reclaim our heritage? Other than, you know, I can speak very generally about moment to moment mindful attention with kindness and caring, with every single thing that's, that arises in this miraculous immediate present. Does your life feel miraculous? Cool. Does, when we think about our life, do we think about it as miraculous or do we think about it as more often as misery or, or what's not working? But the one of the beautiful things about discovering the miraculousness of life and waking up, not just to solve this problem or that problem, our problems are endless. That's what I realized, those of you who sat with me for years, I've... I um I was really into a into a kind of kamikaze meditator mentality, and I was going to be the I was on a kind of chariot turned Nirvana, and I was busy fixing everything in myself and purifying and doing all this, and then uh, and I noticed that I was always toppling forward. I I was in a hammock once in a Central American con- country just lying still and I was in my 20s and I, it was the first moment in my life that I didn't want to be somewhere else. And I did constantly about what's next. And I was completely missing that my mind, that is toppling forward is not satisfied and that I don't have to be dissatisfied I can find complete satisfaction right now that doesn't mean that I stop dreaming and planning and creating mind worlds and thinking and but I am not uh, waiting to be happy I started to say something and then I forgot where I was going. What was I saying? Anybody want to remind me? Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yes. The, I, I started to say that the that the beauty of of mindful attention and loving kindness, rather than being having this incredible idealized view of reality that lives somewhere else the way that it, that it opens up is the immediacy of what i'm experiencing right now so if you if you live if you are alive you are <laughs> If you're human, and of course if we weren't human, we didn't have a human mind, we couldn't even speak in this way, we couldn't have this this kind of conversation. So it depends on our humanness and our individuality, even to talk about the Dharma. But if you're human, you will get sick in your life. You will get old in your life, if you're lucky, and you will die. And you will experience, as every human being does, moment by moment, insecurity. Human beings are insecure. Human beings are vulnerable. I might be able to find a passage from... from Helen Keller... Who, dis, who said that security is mostly superstition? And you know the, the rest. She says you need to just jump into life. So in, inevitably, if you're human and you have awareness, you will come face to face with all kinds, all matter of things that are hard to be with, intense vulnerabilities. If you're human, you will have uh, an instinctual array of fears and worries and anxieties. That's just, it comes with the territory. The beauty of the practice of awakening is those experiences. That experience of being human, vulnerable, become those experiences become the doorway, become the manure, become the fertilizer of our awakening. They are the experiences that, one, anchor us to the living present, if we feel them, and unfortunately most of us are, when we feel insecure, uncertain, don't know what will happen next, Our body tightens up, as it will. Our hearts close. And as a way of finding relief, our mind goes into discursive thinking, into distraction, planning, remembering a time where we felt better. And unfortunately, in that cycle, we become more vulnerable, become less connected to the flow of life, less intimate with reality as it's unfolding in the living present. And so we've all become masters at thinking about our lives and thinking about our feelings. So you may think, oh, meditation is not thinking and not feeling. And that's completely, completely off. Meditation is making that shift from being lost in our thoughts. Not being caught in the second-hand version of our feelings, the thoughts of our feelings, to being able to notice, oh, this is the feeling of vulnerability. This is the feeling of sadness. This is the feeling of grief. This is the feeling of fear. This is the feeling of anger. This is the feeling of joy. So we become emotionally articulate. Able to feel. Able to express the full measure of, a hum- of being human. And not have to hide away in fear, and in dullness, in the deadness of just living in our minds. Getting a little cramp. So our feelings, our frustrations, I wonder if anybody right now, when I'm speaking about this, my hope is that you actually check in. What's the state of your heart and mind right now? That we just don't leave this in the realm of an idea about awakening, the idea about awareness, but really feel it. What is the state of your heart and mind right now? And if you have some kind of mood or weather, where do you feel it in your body? What's it like to feel that in the room here? And isn't that direct experience of the feeling different than the story that plays through your mind about your feeling? Again, masters at thinking about our feelings, not very good at feeling them. So the feeling of feelings brings us right here. I speak about this every week, the unique capacity that human beings have of turning what is hard to bear, usually, into our awakening. Our difficulties into, into the cause of our freedom and happiness. The way out of our difficulties is to feel them, right here. Otherwise, we spend our whole life waiting. We spend our whole life thinking that some other moment will make me happier than I am. That is just such a shame. Because you, who are the richest person on earth, do not have to go around begging for a living. Stop being the destitute child. Come home Reclaim your heritage. Even if what coming home is, is coming home to the legacy of a body that hasn't been inhabited because you've been so disembodied for all kinds of innocent reasons. Trauma, um, just lack, absent-mindedness. Even if it means that you get flooded with with as I did when I first started to... I did a lot of practice before I had any clue about how to how to feel things. I did three, three-month meditation retreats and I was completely emotionally inarticulate. And all of that meditation opened up my consciousness so much that I... and I had so little practice at, at feeling things just just the everyday existential issues had so little practice at just dealing with the, the nuts and bolts of life that I was flooded to such a degree that at first I, I couldn't tolerate how much uh, what was going on. So it's a, it's a gradual process of learning how to be emotionally articulate, to feel our vulnerability, to feel to just be embodied. But it's, so, it's such a funny paradox that uh, the way to th- this kind of transcendence that I'm speaking about is, is to be right in the middle of whatever you're experiencing. The way out is in. The cure for pain is in the pain. As Rumi says, the cure for pain is in the pain. Good and bad are mixed. If you don't have both, you're not one of us. One of the ways that we can learn to, to enhance this ever-present wakefulness and clarity is to imbue our moments of embracing whatever it is that's going on, to imbue it with loving-kindness. The Buddha's one of the great sutras of the Buddha it says this is what should be done who by those who are skilled in goodness and know the path a path of peace. We'll call this a path of peace, not the path of peace. It says you should be upright here, I'll read it to you. Be able and upright, straightforward, gentle in speech, humble and not conceited. Contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in your way. Peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. And this is where it gets, this is where we have to apply this first and foremost toward ourselves, which is uh, somehow we tend to leave out. Wishing in gladness and in safety. May all beings be at ease. We may be able to wish all beings be at ease, but sometimes we don't wish ourselves that. We don't provide that environment of self-compassion and self-care. And that's that needs to be there if we're going to become emotionally articulate. We're going to feel our vulnerability. So the Buddha's teaching was very simple. Life is tough. You need to open to that. What makes it tougher is trying to get away from what's difficult. You need to let go of that. You need to do everything with a mind that lets go. And and that there is an end. There's a cessation of this tendency to try to get away. And that's freedom. And that part should be realized in his teaching. And finally, there's a path that goes nowhere and that must be cultivated. That's meant to be cultivated, meant to be practiced. So you are the richest person on earth, so stop begging for a living. Come home, use your emotions, use your thoughts, use your sensations. Don't let your mind leave your body. And uh, in this very life, if you really do this moment by moment, you'll be happy. You may not always be in a happy mood, but you'll be happy. You'll have the happiness of being conscious, the happiness of peace, which is the, at least the Buddha said it's the highest happiness. But none of this should be adopted as a belief; it should be seen, seen for yourself. And, so I, I see you as rich. I hope you see yourself that way. Any of you that sees yourself as unworthy or insufficient or not enough, or any of you that compare yourself to some ideal, this is all a story that plays through your mind that describes somebody who doesn't exist because you are the richest person on earth. So please continue to be so. And thanks for listening and thanks for helping me out when I lost my way. And let's just sit for a moment before we go. And I'll end with a short poem from Dana Falls and then a short dedication. her poem called Allow. There's no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt, containing a tornado. Dam a stream and it will create a new channel. Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in, the wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, failures, and success. When loss rips off the doors of your heart, or sadness veils your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. I feel a great um, blessing in being able to be here, and practice with you, offer the support, receive the support, and I like to think that we have uh, we have generated some goodness, some blessings, some benefits, and as is our custom, we offer it freely, we give it away, and we. Share the blessings of our practice with, with all beings everywhere with a deep wish that all beings can have happiness in their lives and the causes of happiness. That all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. That all beings can realize that they are the richest person on earth and stop begging for a living. And a deep wish that all beings can grow in serenity and equanimity. Able to meet the inevitable joys and sorrows with with less reactivity. And a deep wish that our practice today and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings be liberated. Thanks for your practice, thanks for your generosity, and hope to see you next Tuesday. See what kind of mischief we get into. (laughs) Thank you. Um. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.com